the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy, but you know that. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. This is not your first rodeo. So welcome back. I am so pumped that you are here because right now podcasts are sort of a big deal and there are so many to choose from and you chose this one for this moment. So I am so pleased. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Doesn't it seem like right now everybody has a podcast? (laughs) It is bananas that I am doing the same thing as, oh, I don't know, Jason Bateman and some of the celebrities that I have grown up fangirling over for my whole life. They have their own podcast too. You can literally plug in, put your headphones on, and they will speak directly into your ears. That just feels so surreal to me. So yes, I listen to all sorts of podcasts. I think they're great. You probably do too. And the fact that you are spending time listening to this little Alberta girl talk about these little book things and all the stuff that isn't so huge in the world. Well, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for that. Because that is so nice of you. I think you have very good taste. <laughs> um, so Okay, so if you are in the bookish world, which you are, you probably are very aware of something that has been going around on social media called the murder van meme. Have you heard of it? Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, you probably did. So there is an author in the States. Her name is Patricia Carell. And she decided she found a picture of my book truck on Reddit. And she decided it was pretty funny and she wanted to make a meme out of it. So she did. And the premise of the whole meme is, you know, look, (laughs) you can use this this van to lure somebody in so you could end their lives. (laughs) It's funny. It really is. It's great. And it has traveled everywhere. (laughs) Patricia made this meme, put it on Twitter. It blew up her Twitter. She had to shut off all notifications. It was so over the top. She has never put anything out in the world that has had this kind of response. She didn't know who we were. So of course, you guys, as our reading community, you are the best. And you said, oh my gosh, that's Daisy Chain in Edmonton. And so she tagged me and then my Twitter blew up. It was full on banana pants. I had no idea that this would be a thing. Now, here is the ironic part. When I had the book truck, because if you're listening to this, you probably know this, but if you don't, I'm gonna fill you in. I no longer have the book truck. This podcast used to be called the Book Truck Chronicles. And when I decommissioned the book truck last year, well, we became the Bookshop Chronicles. That's how we pivoted and we did an awesome job with it. It was fun, but the book truck is no longer. And I'm not sorry about that. I mean, there you can go listen to back episodes. I talk about all the reasons why we separated ourselves from the truck and it's a good decision. But when I had the truck, I took photos of it. I put it everywhere. I tried to get anybody to pay attention to it. I even tagged the local media and stuff just so that people would see it go, well, look at that. And then they would pay attention and maybe shout it out and I would get some, you know, press from it so that people could see. It was really cool. And nobody cared. I mean, you know, people who knew me cared. And that was great. And maybe you're listening to it, you came and you thought it was so awesome. And that's awesome. That's so great. However, it did not generate nearly the kind of global response that this meme did. The funny part is, 
people are asking about it. They're so amazed. Oh my gosh, this would lure me in a hot second. Yeah, this would get me. Where is this? I have to find it. And there is no truck. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are seeing this and commenting on this meme about this book truck and it no longer exists. <laughs> I couldn't get anybody to pay attention to it when it did exist. And now that it doesn't, it's a big deal. So, oh my gosh. You know, you can just never tell how things are going to go. You can have all the greatest plans in the world and it just doesn't work out the way you thought it would. This is the social media life, you guys. This is what happens. We don't know. We can't control this stuff. You put it out there and then it really does generate a whole life of its own. It is so weird. So, so weird. But thank you so much to Patricia for doing this meme because it not only made my day, but it certainly generated a lot of attention for both of us. And as of this morning, Karen Slaughter, who is an author that if you remember when I was talking to Elise, remember about she loves all the horror, the dark books, the murder books, all that kind of stuff. She loves that stuff. Karen Slaughter is totally her jam. Well, this morning, Elise sent me a message saying that Karen Slaughter put this meme on her wall on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then a couple days ago, um, yeah, V.E. Schwab put this meme on her Instagram stories. I just about lost my ever-loving mind. I love V.E. Schwab. I was so flattered. And then I sent her a message saying, thank you for posting this. And she responded. And I think my heart went into my shoes. I, I was so fangirling. I loved it. What a big deal. This book truck that doesn't even exist anymore is a big deal. And people who... I talked about in that book truck are now hearing about it and paying attention. This is so weird. Okay, so anyway, that's all I want to say about that. It's weird. This whole business life, you never know what's going to go on. You can do all the things you want to get the result that you're hoping for, and then other people's interests are going to step in and totally take over. So... Thank you to everybody who shared it, who commented, and for all the times that it was shared and it was uncredited to Daisy Chain, thank you for all of you who said, um, excuse me, I think that's Daisy Chain Book Co. instead of just, you know, who whose truck is this? Um, that's Daisy Chains, thank you very much. Thank you for you guys for shouting that out because you are the best community on the planet. Okay, so on our last episode, we focused quite a bit on the business side and we talked to Rachel Wentworth from 40 Winks and that was fun. That was different for all of you entrepreneurial folks. That was probably like right up your alley. Today and for the next few episodes, we are going to be focusing on our Daisy Chain Book Company community. We are going to have community conversations with our people, people who love what we're doing and are totally invested and they have such fabulous, diverse reading lives. Get your pens out, y'all, because you are going to want to write some of these books down. I'm just telling you, over the next few episodes, you are going to be inspired to read outside your comfort zone, and you are going to love it. And there is a return guest that y'all loved. So I heard you, I got all those comments, and I paid attention. So yes, there will be a familiar voice coming back as per your request. But for today... Today, you're going to hear a new voice. Her name is Rochelle Lee. She is an engineering student here in Edmonton, and she is bold. 
She is passionate. She is sassy. She laughs a lot. So I love this girl. Yeah, she is part of our book club. She's part of our pedal club. She is very invested in all the daisy chain things. And you know what? She is just a reader who, well, frankly, makes me want to read more. So yeah, I hope that she does the same for you. Here you go, y'all. Here's my conversation with Rochelle. Okay, so Rochelle, this is fun. For, this is fun for me. Not only just to see your face here, not in the bookstore space, but in a totally different arena. Um, so can you give our listeners, our audience, a bit of background about you, who you are, what you like, all those things that make you great? Sure. Um, so my name's Rochelle, as you said. Um, I am originally from a very small town in Saskatchewan, um, where I uh, grew up and lived until I moved to the big city of Regina to go to university and lived there for a while before I decided I should go back to university and move to Edmonton. And so now I'm a student here uh, at the University of Alberta in my last year of electrical engineering. Um, big old science nerd. That's been <laughs> pretty much my whole life. Um, yeah, as far as like things I like to do outside of, you know, being a student, which I don't know if I like to do, but I'm kind of good at it at this point. <laughs> um, and a whole lot of reading, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. I am a big movie buff, um, especially movie trivia. I'm one of those people that like sitting watching a movie, I have the IMDb trivia page open so I can learn more about it. So you're, you're one of those people that we want to have on our team when we play trivia. Well, I don't always remember a lot of it, but I like reading it in real time. Yes. <laughs> My memory's not always so great. <laughs> when I was younger, I had a great memory for actors and names and what they were in and who they worked with. And, you know, our family, if they were playing a game, would call me and say, what was the name of the person who did the... And I could tell them. Now, it leaks out of my brain at a rapid rate. And I'm always mm -hmm. chasing, uh, it's the person who, okay, you know, the guy with the jeans, like, like, I just, I cannot keep the details in my brain like I used to. So yeah, having IMDB would actually be helpful. Oh, it's a great resource. You learn so many things, <laughs> <laughs> so many random things that you never needed to know. And then of course, that is sometimes the stuff that sticks instead of whatever it is that I need to be learning for school. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in a final exam and like, Sure, I can remember that on the set of the third Harry Potter movie, the director made them all write essays and how they all responded. Cannot remember how current and voltage relate in this situation. <laughs> wait, wait. They, the director made them write essays when they were doing Harry okay. Potter? So for the, I think almost all the movies had a different director until you get to the last couple. Um, but the set of the third movie, so Prisoner of Azkaban, um, the director had met the three main actors, and so he asked them to write essays about their characters to understand what they knew, what they thought the characters would be, um, and all three of them responded very accurately for the characters. So Emma Watson turned in like a fully-fledged multi-page paper, and yes. Daniel Radcliffe turned in like one page hastily written, and Rupert Brint <laughs> didn't turn in anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's pretty appropriate. 
Yeah, I would expect nothing less from Emma Watson. Like hers must have been grammatically perfect and, you know, on point with her fonts and her everything, I imagine. Right. You don't go to an Ivy League without being able to do that kind of thing at 14. Right. Right. Well, that's impressive. Have you seen a film recently that you really liked? Ooh, what have I watched recently? I went and saw the new Marvel one, The Eternals. Or Eternals. I can't remember if there's a the in front of it. Uh-huh. Um, which I really enjoyed because I feel like Marvel is finally starting to make a foray into like some social issues and commenting on them, but really, really subtly. Um, and making more space for people that... Um, for people in groups that really don't get to see a lot of airtime in big action blockbusters like that. Mm-hmm. So I wish there had been a bit more to that movie. It probably would have made a better like mini series as opposed to a movie because there was so much going on. I loved it. Also, cool. watching Kumail Men Nanjiani do his thing and do so well, very buff. I was a okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen it yet. It's on my list because I I pretty much love all the Marvel, and my family will tease me because I will watch them on a loop. Like I just mm-hmm. it's just background noise. I just love it. Um, but I don't seem to get out to have the freedom to go see a film with it like I used to. My time is just not my own anymore. But I I love that feeling of sitting in a theater. Oh. It was one of the things I missed most, most during the shutdown was being able to just like go. Because I typically go on like the Saturday 11 a.m. showing. So the theater is empty. Um, I go and get my popcorn and then that's what I have for lunch that day. Yes. <laughs> Um, and just like sit in the theater and do my own thing. It's one of the things that like I appreciate most about my move to Edmonton. Moved here like not knowing really anyone in the city. Um, and just having the confidence to like go to a movie by your own. Like it's so surprisingly freeing, but it mm-hmm. takes so much courage to just, especially for like a very introverted, socially anxious person like myself, it takes a lot of courage to just like walk in and sit in the back of the theater by yourself and like your thing but like it's become one of my favorite things yeah I agree I've I've always gone to the movie by myself if nobody will go with me I don't care because when you're in it you're not talking to somebody anyway so really it's totally fine you're focused on the film focused on your popcorn which is the whole point if you want to sit with somebody stay home or whatever like invite people to watch things on your Netflix or whatever but going to a theater and just having that whole experience by yourself I've also found very freeing and I'm not nervous about doing that at all I often prefer it yeah that makes sense I've always been a person who like likes to talk about what I've just watched or what I've just read with someone else who has also had that experience so like arguably that's the worst part is coming out and being like okay who do I know that is also going to be dedicated enough to go see this opening weekend <laughs> that I could immediately like text or call and be like, have you seen it? I need to talk about this. Yes. I actually remember coming out of a film. Oh, it was like, I was still, it was before I was married and coming out of the film and it was at the Westminster mall theater. And we stood outside the theater because somebody else had gone to the movie by themselves and we stood outside the theater and we just talked about it. It was so fun. <laughs> and and I didn't know this person at all. Never saw them again. But for that moment, I get it. Like, you just want to download something about that movie experience with somebody. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was kind of nice. I just grab a stranger. Whatever. <laughs> Whoever's around. Hey, what'd you think? <laughs> oh, you're much braver than I. I just, I just don't, I don't care anymore. 
Like all the things that used to make me nervous about uh, talking to people or approaching or the, the, what will they think of me? Or is this inappropriate? You know what? Now I'm just like, Hey, Hey, you (laughs) nice shoes. Let's talk about that. I can do it in some settings. I think, um, so I, I used to work at the science center in Regina. I worked there for about four years. Um, and so I've gotten very good at doing that with people under the age of about 15. Mm-hmm. I can talk to any child about anything. That's not a problem. But the second it goes to talking to adults, now it's nerve wracking. And I'm not sure. sure if it's because of just like, that's my experience is like engaging the children in the science. <laughs> or if I'm just like talking to people at my own maturity level, it's like a well-known phrase in our family that like you growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Oh, I like so, that. So that was my, my grandpa. That's one of his favorites. And that's all smart. of his grandchildren have taken that and really run with it. Well, I think um, that you, but you're, you are, to me, you're such a confident person. And I know we've mentioned this before, but you are so, you're so bubbly, so gregarious. There's so much about you that just pulls me in. Like, I want to know more. I want to, I want to spend more Rochelle time. Like I, it's, there's something about you that I find very compelling and magnetic. And I can see if there was somebody young and you were there talking about science, they must've been all over that. I I made some friends. Um, Yeah. There were, there were some toddlers that would cut. We had one program that was specifically like one morning a week for half an hour. We would do, we called it science time for tots. And so you'd have people that would come back every week. I had some friends there. They would look forward to seeing you every week. I did not run that program, but like <laughs> they would come back and that was That's always awesome. fun. That's awesome. That's one of the reasons why when you're part of our book club at the store, it's always so fun to hear what you have to say because it doesn't matter who else is there. You're talking to everybody and you have something in common with most readers in that group. It's pretty cool, actually. Well, and I think that's one of the cool things about readers in general is I've thought about this a lot, especially in the last week and a half since you asked me to do this. And I'm like, oh, man, what do I have to talk about? Um, But I think that's the thing that like binds all readers together is we're all just looking for a story. That's what we're looking for. Um, And so whether it's, you know, crossing genres or or types of books or how you want to read or whatever there's this really unifying thing that we all have. And if you can find those, even the themes within books, maybe it's not the type of book you want to read, but it tells a type of story that you want to hear. There's still a conversation to be had and a connection that can be made there. And I think that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Have you always been a dedicated reader? Yes. Um, so my mom is also a reader or certainly was when we were kids. Um, and it was the one thing that, um, you know, if, if we would go to Regina to visit her parents or whatever, um, it was often difficult to convince her and dad to stop at the toy store at some point. It was not difficult to convince them to stop at chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mom was always down for that trip. And so it was this thing that became a like, oh yeah, I can get something there. Like, that sounds great. Let's go find a new story. It's this fun thing we do when we go to Regina. Because at that point, you know, growing up near Wayward Nest Van, they didn't have a whole lot for dedicated bookstores. So it became mm-hmm. the Regina thing. Um, and they were always pretty dedicated in making sure that my brother and I were comfortable reading. And I remember even 
learning to read back in grade one and you'd come home with your nightly book that you had to read or whatever. And so I'd sit there and uh, quite often it would be when my dad was home, um, he would be the one that would read with us. And we'd sit there and I'd sit there and practice reading to him and my younger brother, who was a year younger than me. Um, and it got to the point where Lexton had become a better reader than I had and I wasn't reading fast enough for him. So he would read it for me. So now he was no longer allowed to sit with me as I read. Aww. So, yeah, no, it's always been a lot of books and a lot of everything. And yeah, that's been very, very celebrated. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's so important. And I think any any parents or adult humans who are listening to this, who have little people watching please pay attention to the idea that they are watching and learning what you do. If you make reading and books a part of your life, they will do it almost by accident. So they might not love it to the same degree all the time, but you know what? The practice of doing it means they will find their thing. Well, and I think, I think that was one of the cool things about even my grade one teacher. So I remember in grade one, there was this like book race that we did and so you'd take home your book list and you'd write down every book or your parents would write down every book that they saw you read over the time and you'd bring them back and you'd track your progress throughout the year um and she would let she was totally fine if kids went home and like read the phone book or the auto trader or whatever as long as they were reading something because even at you know in a room full of six-year-olds she understood that not everyone wanted to go home and read dr seuss like Mm -mm. that's not going to capture everyone and it's not like You're not going to get all of the farmer dads willing to sit down and read that with their kids, but to sit down and read, you know, the auto trader or whatever. Yep. Farming magazine was coming through the home. I don't know. I was a town kid. (laughs) We read fantasy books. Um, Like that was okay. And so even seeing that being modeled from a young age, I think is something I've reflected on a lot and brought back and be like, I don't care what you read, just Mm -hmm. read something. Yep. And when you look back on the books from when you were younger, what were certain books that stand out as ones that made a significant impact on you? Uh, the, the ones that always come to mind are Harry Potter. Like I was the perfect age for those books. The first movie came out uh, the year I turned 11. And that's when I started reading them. I saw the first movie in theaters and immediately turned around and got all the books that I could up until that point and then read them as fast as I could. Um, Really little, we had like all the Dr. Seuss books. Those were the ones that my brother and I always wanted to pick for story time before bed. It got to the point where I had read everything I owned and I was constantly going and bugging my mom to borrow some of her books. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was quite a few... Uh, Lori Wick was an author we had a lot of at home. So I read a lot of those. Mom was okay with me reading those. It was kind of right that in-between age where she's like, maybe I won't hand off my Danielle Steeles, but these ones that are like a little bit safer, that's fine. Here you go, 13-year-old Rochelle. Like, read these. Did you ever read the Danielle Steeles? I've never read a Danielle Steele book. Okay, yeah. That's like, it's one of those things that we talk about at book club a lot that you go from yep. Judy Bloom to those. And I'm like, I still have never read a Daniel Steele. No idea. Like, <laughs> Well, her fans might, you know, uh, not like it that I say this, but you're not missing much. Well, she was my mom's favorite. She would buy every new Daniel Steele book, but we had like 
bankers boxes full of books down in the basement because we did not have enough room on our bookshelves. Like I had two bookshelves in my room that were always full and overflowing. My brother had one that was full and not quite as overflowing. He was a bit more of a video game guy, but it was full. Mm -hmm. And then like just everywhere there were books. And so the best place to keep them all was sure. boxes in the basement. Yeah. Why not? I mean, and that's the thing. I think readers, that's a, that's a pretty common issue. Where to put all my books, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes where you live or the space you have just does not hold your literary life. It just doesn't. So you do have to make compromises. And I mean, I remember when I was young and I had boxes under my bed because mm -hmm. there weren't enough shelves. And I told my sister and I shared a room and I completely took that room over. Like, Carrie, I'm so sorry. But I, I dominated. I had books everywhere. And yeah. she had this little tiny twin bed. <laughs> she had no shelves, none. It was all me and the books and stuff. So yeah, sometimes you just got to do what you do. Boxes everywhere, stacks everywhere. That's pretty normal, I think. Yeah, I mean, stacks. I remember at one point, any of the books that like both my brother and I would read, which was mostly at that point, the Harry Potter ones. Those were ones that we would fight over who got to read the new release first. Mm -hmm. Um. Those were kept in his room. He had a little bit more room and <laughs> everything else was like in my room. But I don't think we're going to see another book series or, or book in my lifetime that has had the same social impact on reading for generations as Harry Potter. I, I think that's true. And I think that potentially part of the reason is those were books that were marketed to kids but kind of written for adults mm -hmm. like the language in them is not the kids don't talk like kids they talk no like adults in an 11 year old's body yeah um and so it has something for for both of those age groups and it was kind of the first one of that like oh there's this whole market of people that we've completely missed out on. Like, it's easy to argue that that's where YA really started was with Harry Potter. And then mm -hmm. shortly after that, the introduction of Twilight, which was also one that I lived and breathed for in my teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> Still have them all. They're sitting on my bookshelf and I look at them and I go, yep, that was the time. I'm glad that I lived that. But, oh boy. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, keeping them for the nostalgia factor instead of the actual merit of the book itself. Yeah, and I, I yeah. don't need I don't need books to be literary genius. I don't care. I want a fun story to read. I'm more than fine reading books that most people look at and go, that was not a good book. I don't care. Was the story yeah. good? Like did it did it captivate me? Then I'm in. That's the book's only job is to serve your reading life. Yeah. So if it does that for you, whatever it is great right it's the book doesn't care what it's being compared yeah. to so have at her what was the last feel-good book that you read Ooh, define feel good just a book that like left me wanting more or a book that like made me made, feel good about the made world made you feel or? good yeah just you were just satisfied when you finished it Ooh, one is oh no that's a lie i was gonna say the passengers by john mars but i've read one more recently than that although that's a great book <laughs> like, Anyone has not read a John Mars book, pick one up. Start questioning life, the universe, and everything. They're so good. They're so, so good. Um, no, it was the final book in the Hell's Library series by A.J. Hackwith. 
Um, and so the premise of the series is that in the afterlife, there are all these um, different wings of a connected library. And the one in hell is called the Library of the Unwritten. And so it's for any book that gets started but doesn't get finished, that's where it lives until it either is finished by the author or the author passes away, in which case that unfinished book continues to live there, live on there forever. Um, and because we're now dealing with the afterlife, sometimes the characters of these books make their way out of the book. And it's the job of the librarian to make sure that they're put back in the book, or at least allowed to live and not develop outside of what the author had designed their character to be, in which case they can't go back in the book. Um, that sounds so that's cool. Just, it, they were really good. They, I found them to be the first two thirds of each book would be a little bit long, just a little bit harder to get through. And then the last third would fly by in like 20 minutes. And it's just like, I need more of this, please. Yes. <laughs> um, and so the last one just came out a couple weeks ago and I devoured it. It's and so it was good. Called, it's, these, it was called what? Uh, so the first one is called The Library of the Unwritten. Okay. By A.J. Hackwith. Yes. Okay. Cool. I wrote that down. Yeah. They're great. Sounds it's good. Trilogy. They're so good. It has been on my list of things to talk about at book club like every month so far. And I just keep setting it aside being like, there'll be a better time to talk about this. <laughs> it deserves more spotlight than this. So many books get discussed at book club. Uh, and yeah. every more than once I have come like I've walked into the store thinking okay this is what I'm going to talk about for this month's theme and then like last month I'm like I brought books I don't want to talk about any of them anymore I want to talk about these books <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind completely yes and you know that's the beauty of it is there are so many things to read so many things to discuss and the tangents that you can go with each of them I mean honestly you could save those for another book club and they will still be appropriate. It's all There fine. will be more book clubs. I'm not yes. leaving book club anytime soon. It is yeah. like my favorite day of the month. <laughs> I always look forward to it because I'm like, I just get to sit down in this group of people and we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of books. Yeah. And it's just this, like this one unifying factor between us because at our book club, we are all very different women. <laughs> oh, yes. But we all just want to talk about books for a couple of hours. And see where that leads us. And quite often it leads to discussions of Tom Hanks, which is great. We all love Tom Hanks. The idea of mixing media. Yeah. that's And that's one of the cool things about our month too, is like quite often it's like, there's this book. And then it got turned into this show or movie. And don't watch the show or movie, but read right. the book. Like Read the book. Well, and, totally. and that's one of my favorite ways to like sell something to someone who proclaims that they are not a reader of like, you liked the, the movie. You liked the show. Try the book. See if you mm -hmm. like it too. Or if you don't, let's try something else. It's um, one of my best friends. He was very proudly, quote unquote, not a reader for his entire adult life. And then I finally convinced him to just give the Hunger Games books another chance. Like, just start there. See what happens. And he proceeded to devour them all. And then he mm -hmm. turned around and went, I think it's time to read Harry Potter. And devoured them all. And now he's like, a pretty avid reader and uh -huh. all this has been like the last two years it's great well, every once in a while I turn around you. and I'm like here you need to read this book because I need to talk to someone about it and <laughs> I think you'll like it so right now he's working his way through the one by John Mars and I'm just anxiously awaiting 
That honestly, that book is such a good discussion book. Well, part of me wants him to read it just so he can read The Passengers. Because <laughs> I liked the one. Um, yeah. But The Passengers being about self-driving cars and me being in electrical engineering, like there's so many connections even within that of like mm-hmm. how I want to approach my career. Um, and he's also in like the technology field and like electrical type things. Um, and it's just like, this is, <laughs> this is technology that is, doesn't feel as science fiction-y as what's in the one, at least to me. It yeah. feels self-driving cars are a thing. People are working on it. It's happening. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much rooted it. in so, our world. So, uh, yeah, it, and that's, I think, one of the things that kind of freaked me out about reading The Passengers is that it was so close to being our lives mm-hmm. and it added that relatability factor that kind of freaked me out more. Like, oh my gosh, what if? What if you get in there and all of a sudden you are powerless and the world thinks they know something about you that they don't actually know and they're going to make a decision about you and your life might be in jeopardy? Like all of those things? Oh, I was on the edge of my seat reading that book. So good. It's so good. And it's this wonderful commentary on social media and how much we put out there and like social media is what you want to present to the world. It's not everything. But what happens when that's all you have to go on and... Yeah, and then people feel very quick to to judge and make decisions based on very little information. And yeah, oh, it's a it's a good one. And I hope that they do not ever mess that up with a Netflix show like they did with The One. They need to just keep their hands off that one. Yeah. It's like hmm. I feel like that would be a really good like HBO show. Yeah. HBO usually does a pretty good job. If it's like done well, like to the, I hope that the people who make it read the book. I don't think yeah, the people who made the one actually read the book. No, they read the back and went, oh yeah, we can make a show out of this. Good <laughs> they read the back. <laughs> so true. That's exactly how it and felt. I say that having only watched one episode of the show and going, no. And I will power through a lot of things. I have mm-hmm. no problem with terrible tv and movies like that is not an issue for me my favorite type of television is bad reality tv like at 31 years old mtv reality tv is still my favorite (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny so if i'm not willing to power through i feel like it really says something it does it does the oh it is to be missed for sure don't even waste your time now, how has, because you mentioned earlier about the one thing that you missed with the lockdown for the pandemic was the movies. Mm-hmm. How has the pandemic affected your reading life? Uh, so when, I, when the pandemic started, I lived by myself, didn't handle it real great, <laughs> um, and stopped doing some of those things that like brought me joy, like reading. Um, and eventually it got to the point where it was just like, okay, just like reread the things that you know you like. And so I did a lot of rereading during the pandemic, um, especially in like the first six or eight months. Um, and then I came across on social media, this little bookstore that's not too far from my house (laughs) and strolled into Daisy Chain Book Company and all of a sudden was surrounded by people that are like, just try this. Like, 
I get where you're coming from, but like, here, give this one a go. And if you don't like it, then we'll reassess later. Um, and so it also like took all of the anxiety of trying to find a good book to delve back into reading with away. Cause now it's someone else's recommendation and I just get to judge that. <laughs> yes, please um, judge us. We're, we're good with it. Yeah. And it's, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, Rochelle, honestly. And this answer sounds so contrived, but legit like strolling into Daisy chain and finding this community in Edmonton when all of my community here had revolved around the university and being in class with people who were all like way too stressed to deal with anything else. Cause that's mm-hmm. engineering life. And all of that was suddenly gone. And so now it's like, I found this other community of people that we get to do this thing. And it's been delightful. Yeah. It's been really fun having you in the community because you do add so much to it. And I can't well, I mean, imagine I'm, it being the same without you. Partly, I'm sure that's just the frequency with which I show up at the bookstore sometimes. <laughs> uh, last week, during reading week, I think I was there three times. I think that's I've been fun. there three times in the last like week and a half. It's been great. Every session has yep. been delightful. But like, <laughs> there are definitely rules where I'm like, okay, if you're going to the bookstore, you can buy one book. Because <laughs> you are still a student. I did love the day that you came in and you brought two friends and you were giving them mm-hmm. the tour around and you're explaining, you know, where everything is and what the prices in the back were like and how in the kids section, we don't have any ages on the shelves and this is why. And, and then this lady in the store overheard you and she asked you a question as if you worked there. <laughs> I was the like, one yeah, question I know. On the one kind of book that I'm like, I actually don't know where those are. <laughs> like, as a, as, I feel like I'm like a mother mother hen who's so excited watching her chicks just like navigate and play and take over and you had this sense of ownership about you I was just so proud to watch you kind of navigate the whole space and lead your people in there it was so adorable it's the first time I've brought Edmonton friends to the bookstore um but since things have been like safely reopening like my parents came up from Regina and they were like you know, nothing's really open. What do we want to do? I'm like, the one thing I actually want to do is take you to the bookstore. Cause I think that's the one place I talk about more than school. Like <laughs> it's the only other place I talk about going and doing anything. So I want you to go and like, see it and see why I like it. And even like my dad walked out, who is not a huge reader. If he's going to pick something up, it's more than likely going to be a nonfiction something, something. And he walked out and he looked at me and he's like, yeah, I get why this is your place. Like, this makes <laughs> sense. And I went, okay, good. Like, I'm glad I'm not just crazy <laughs> and, like, no. making things up about, like, how great this is. So it was it was very validating to hear that. Um, and yeah, then the it's weekend, affirming, isn't it? And then the next weekend, another friend was up from Regina, and she's a reader, and I'm like, we're going to the bookstore. You'll like this place. This is, these are your people. Like, yeah. That makes no, a huge difference, my, doesn't it? Uh, it's... Right. When you, when you find a community around something that you love, you don't have to know anything else about their backstory or what baggage they bring to the table or anything, but you, you center around this one thing. It's this, this little stack of papers with text on it. And there's some imagination in there and people gather around it and they create this collective. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. really astonishing to me to see and to count on it that no matter what group I put together and I put some Motley crews together in the store every single time 
it is this beautiful serendipitous kind of group of people who have things in common who never would have met otherwise and they have books in common that I never would have imagined it's it blows my mind every time Mm -hmm. every time and now your cousin is also in one of the book clubs yeah so did you try to join the same one no so when I found Daisy Chain on Instagram of all places and realized how close it was to my house, I immediately sent it to her because she's even more of a reader than I am. Like she goes through books like nobody's business. Um, we have, we're those people who have a shared Google sheet where if she reads something that she thinks I'll like, she puts it on there. So I have a running TBR just from Katie. It's oh great. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of the first places I go and I'm like, I need a new book. What am I going to try today? And she puts like a little synopsis of like what the vibe is so that whatever I'm wanting to read. Yeah, it's great. What a great, if anyone has another friend who's a reader, I highly recommend starting a shared Google sheet where you can just make recommendations back and forth and you're not always trying to write them down. Brilliant. Honestly, to have somebody else add to your TBR like that? That and who actually knows your taste and cares about what you read? I mean, that's that's gold. Yeah. So she'll frequently recommend books, and I frequently recommend TV shows that she should watch. That's Fair how that's, that's how that relationship works. Anyways, so she and I went to Daisy Train the first time together, um, and both fell in love with it. And then she very quickly turned around and joined Pedal Club, uh-huh. and was a part of that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to commit to a new physical book a month just yet. Um, because for the last 10 years or so, I have been almost exclusively an e-reader person. Um, and so I was like, okay. And then book clubs came around and I thought about it for a while. And then there was another post saying there's a few spots left. And I was like, okay, I'm jumping on this. Like it's three months. Let's go. Best decision. Went to the first one, immediately turned around and texted Katie. And I'm like, I know you have another book club but you should think about this one because this is how great it was. And she's just like, but they're all full. And then you opened another one. And I'm like, Katie, Katie, this is your chance. And she's like, I know I already signed up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They, they got so popular. I mean, I started one and then I thought, Oh, I can do two. And then they both filled up and they both had waiting lists. So I took the waiting lists and made a third one. And then they all had waiting lists. And I was like, Ah, four is manageable. I could do four. So we did four. And then there was enough people who said, is there still room? Is there still room? We'd love to. Oh my gosh. So I thought, okay, five. Five is my max. That's all I can do. And sure enough, we're doing five. And I still have a wait list. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's a lot. But I can't imagine having a literary hub for the community that doesn't have a book club for ongoing conversation and people to see across the room, other humans Mm -hmm. where we were so starved for that for so long. So even Mm -hmm. if it's just every now and then you see this person, but those encounters you had built you up and felt good, made you feel like you're part of the human race again, and you had something in common, maybe that's enough. Yeah. And to, to do that and to fill the space, it just, it melts my heart every time. It's fun. Yeah. I hope anyone listening who hears this and was like kind of on the fence about it is totally sold on it now because I really cannot oversell it enough. Like it's just such a wonderful place to go and just sit and chat with these 
people that you're probably not going to see again for another month. Um, but it's been <laughs> so fun building this community of people and like every once in a while someone will come back and be like, I read that book you recommended and you were totally right. I get it now. And like, I tried this or like, I read that one. Totally agree. Or like the really fun conversations are the ones of like, you read it and loved it. And I read it and I don't understand why you loved it. Let's yes. talk about that for a while. Yes. And it's then after so... the book club, when we've had conversation and everybody's kind of walking around the store, there's all this, this, these little moments, people having these shared things and showing books to each other and writing down TBR information and swapping the Instagram info so they can like connect. And I, you know what? I just, I feel like it's sort of being like book Cupid. Like I'm matching up people and stories and community and those healthy, satisfying moments. And I just sometimes want to stand back and just like take a snapshot of it. It's so, mm -hmm. it's so um, warm for me to look at that and go, oh my gosh, this is going to grow. This is going to be a healthy moment for them. And I'm just so happy with that. You're a brilliant part of that community, honestly, because oh, you so add fun. so much energy to the room. Oh, it's that like that last 20 minutes where we're all walking around it's like okay like here's where we get to play now and it's more than once I've come in and just been like I don't know what I'm gonna take home tonight I'm just gonna wait and see what other people recommend and then I'm gonna try one of those like very rarely have I walked in and walked out with something that wasn't discussed maybe not that night but at some point in one of the book clubs and it's been one of like I've expanded what I would read so much more because of book club yeah, like I never true. would have picked up a John Mars book or like some of the um, fantasy stuff that that Haley recommends and yeah. Well, and even this one you're talking about, the Library of the Unwritten. I've never heard of that. Well, now I got to go find that one, right? Like it's, I'm I'm intrigued it on, by it. That was one that came off of the Google Sheet list. Katie read it first. Ah, thank you, which Katie. Which often happens, especially with series. She'll read the first one and recommend it, and then I power through the whole series and end up finishing it before she does, so <laughs> I can let her know if it's worth finishing. That's funny. a great symbiotic relationship for that kind of thing. That's awesome. And now what, what book have you read recently that disappointed you? That you thought, what the heck? Not what I wanted. Uh, the one that immediately comes to mind is Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. Um, so I remember reading Gone Girl back right before the movie came out. Because I try to have a rule where I read the book before I see the movie. Because if I see the movie first, I'm not going to read the book. And I want to read the book. Um, so I read Gone Girl. I had loved it. It's the first time I remember reading a book with an unreliable narrator, and so it opened up, like, that whole avenue for me, um, and immediately fell in love with unreliable narrator stories, um, and it was just, it was so good. None of it was what I expected, and then I got to Sharp Objects, and I'm not sure if it's just, like, ten years have gone by, and now I understand what these books are trying to get at, but I read it, and within the first for sure 20% of the book. I had figured out, I had a pretty good guess at who I thought was responsible for all of the goings on. And I was mm -hmm. right. <laughs> and that was kind of disappointing. Okay, I'm yeah. Started, I'm starting to blame my real fixation on true crime, crime podcasts for not being able to read books like that anymore. 
Because it's like, yeah, yeah, this is who it was. Um, But sometimes I can figure out who it was and it's still a really well done book and I really liked it. Like I just finished Truth Be Told by Kathleen Barber, which is about a true crime podcast that starts um, discussing a closed case where they think the person who went to jail didn't actually do it. Very serial-esque. Serial season one, anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, it was probably this person. And once again, I was right. (laughs) Within the first little bit. But it was a much more enjoyable read. And I'm not sure if it was just because it was commenting on, like, the general public's fixation on true crime and what that does to the survivors of the crime. Hmm. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I think true crime podcasts have really changed the way people read mystery novels and the way they're engaging with crime stories in general, because that has become such a big deal. True crime podcasts Mm -hmm. have, wow, I mean, there is no shortage of them now. And And I listen to half a dozen of them at least every week. Maybe not quite that many every week, but yeah, there's a couple that I tend to listen to quite a lot um do you have a favorite one my favorite murder my Um, favorite murder my favorite murder it is a true crime comedy podcast hosted by hosted by two uh women who one was uh started her career in stand-up and the other one is was more of a just like on-air personality but still more of a comedian type um and the two of them had bonded at a mutual friend's think Halloween party because they started talking about the documentary The Staircase which is about a true crime saga that was unfolding at the time Um, and they went you know this is this thing that we're both fascinated by and people look at us like we're a little bit crazy when we start talking about it with the fervor that we do so maybe we just start a podcast Um, so they did that and it blew up almost immediately um, and it, it it came out right around the same time as the first season of Serial. So those two are quite often talked about as, like, the two that kind of started the movement. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that, and it's these two women who go off on tangents and quite often get the story wrong, um, but they're very story-driven. Like, that's why they're telling this. Um, and the other thing that they really make a point of focusing on is making the story as much as they can about the victims and the survivors. And they'll tell the stories of the, you know, the serial killer or the person who committed the crime or whatever. Um, But they both have put a lot of emphasis throughout their time on making sure that that's not the entire story because the people who are the victims, their story deserves to be told a lot more. Um, And so it's this like, other side of it that I was also reflecting on a lot as I was reading Truth Be Told being like I loved Serial and now I feel a little bit gross for having listened to it with the fervor that I did but I don't feel bad about listening to My Favorite Murder. I still don't. Okay. And are there any true crime books that you read or is it pretty much just podcast? It's mostly podcasts for that one. Um, I did read I'll Be Gone in the Dark right after it came out um, which is about the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Written by Michelle McNamara. Um, and she did not finish it before she unfortunately passed away unexpectedly. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. She had written that. about 75 to 80% of it. Um, and was, had like notes and stuff on the last little bit. And it was written before the Golden State Killer was actually caught. It came out about six months before he was caught. Um, but she was working with 
lead investigator on the case, Paul Holes, and she had a co-author that she was working with. His name is Billy Boyd. Um, and she had enough notes left behind after she had passed away that her co-author and her husband, Pat, comedian Patton Oswalt, um, actually finished the book. And so any chapters that weren't exclusively written by her come with a little note being like, we finished this from her notes. We did our best to write it in her style, but if it reads a little different, this is why. Um, and it's... Oh, that's really honorable. It's very good. Um, and oh. it's also widely credited for starting the, like, armchair detective movement. Like, she was kind of one of the first ones, and she had it figured out. Um, she had a very oh. short list of people she thought it was, and the guy who did it was on that list. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Readers for the win. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to change the yeah. world. So. That's one of my favorites, but I find when I read something like that, I take it on a lot more. And so I have a hard time, like, putting it down once I'm done reading it. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm, like, struggling to sleep or, like, it's just ruminating. Sure. Um, yeah. So I find I find listening to it, I get less emotionally attached. <laughs> so I'll listen to the podcast instead of read the books. I'll read about less gruesome things. I actually felt that way when I finished The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Mm-hmm. You haven't read that one yet, right? I have. Oh, you have. I talked about that in book club last month. Did you? Okay. And when I finished that book, I was thinking about it. I would go back, I would reread pieces, and then I would think about and I would kind of play out scenes differently. If What if this happened? And, and then I would revisit characters and I would like play scenes over again in my mind and just constantly. And I mean... One sub page, the last page was turned for me. It was like I kept reading the book differently. I kept going back and redoing it. And and it stuck with me for such a long time. And I find it really powerful when a book can do that. When it leaves the page and it still continues to feed you after it's done. Yeah, that's I think cool. that's... It's one of the, like, really magical powers and sometimes very exhausting powers of books is, like, the really good ones stick with you for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that same thing happen with The Push by Ashley Audrain, where I, I finished it, and it's a fairly short, quick read. It's not a long book. Um, I finished it, and I put it down, and I could not stop thinking about it for like a solid three weeks. And I still haven't decided if I liked it or not. It was very well written. It was a, like a good book to read. I haven't decided if I, I still haven't decided if I liked it or not. And I read it in like July. It's been a while, but that was one that stuck with me for a long time. Um, the House in the Cerulean Sea was another one that stuck with me for a very long time. Um, that was one, that was another one that Katie pushed me to read. <laughs> um, but she and I both had the same conversation about it in that the the kids in that one reminded us so much of some of the kids that we worked with when she and I worked at the same summer camp. Really? There was only one summer where we worked there together. But between the two of us, I think we have six summers out there where we worked, not including when we were campers. Um, and so we know a lot of the same kids from that that we got to watch, like, grow up through different stages. Um, and so getting to talk about those and seeing how those were so well written, even just from that perspective and having been the, like, adult in those situations. Those kids, you just wanted to pick them up and hug them. <laughs> I know. I think if he had written that book and he hadn't, like if he had tried to tell the story of 
these unique individuals and give them a shot. Look at how amazing they are, right? They might be different than you think, but they're still like remarkable and you are going to love them and they're going to be squishy. If they hadn't been kids, it wouldn't have had the same feeling. Well, that's even true in the real world. Like we give kids way more of a chance than we ever give adults. Um, And part of that is just like their brain is not developed. Like (laughs) that's the Mm -hmm. whole psychology of it. And that's even just how the adult brain has developed to, to make sure that we don't eat our young. Like that's why kids look the way they do and like all that kind of stuff. But like the human brain is for the most part wired to react that way. And the fact that he could do that within a book so well and write the kids so that they were kids and the adults were adults and you understood Mm -hmm. everyone's point of view so, so well. Yeah. I think he's actually very, very good at harnessing the vulnerability and the quirks of a young character. Like when he wrote the book, The Extraordinaries and then Flash Fire, which is the second one, these were teenagers. They were a hundred percent teenager. Like there was, there was no whiff of they were written for an older crowd. They were speaking in that, you know, sarcastic, ironic, fast paced, melodramatic kind of way that everybody identifies with. Oh my gosh. I remember how it felt to talk like that. And he, he just does it so fluidly. The grownups weren't grownups and the teens were very much teens, but he just did it in such a way that you didn't question whether or not he was being authentic. It was, it felt legit. So Mm -hmm. he, I think he very magically does tap into a young perspective in a way that appeals to a wider audience, as opposed to saying, this is a young person written for a young person. Yeah. Anybody can read it and we'll get it. And I think that's a talent. Yeah. No, it's the only one of his I've read is Cerulean Sea. I have Extraordinary sitting on my desk (laughs) waiting for me to pick it up and read it. It's probably going to be a Christmas read this year. There's another one that does that, like the entire Percy Jackson series reads that way too. It's a little bit more like written for the younger audience and reads that way. But I didn't read them until last year. So I was almost 30 by the time I read the Percy Jackson series. I was just like, yeah, this is how a 12 year old should sound. Like they should make comebacks that are terrible. None of this makes sense. Is it true that Rick Riordan wrote that for his son? Um, I don't know if he wrote it for his son. He was partially inspired by his son because his son had recently been diagnosed with, I think, ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my understanding is he was inspired to write a story about those where that wasn't a hindrance, but that was actually like a strength. It's this thing Mm. that you don't need to manage. It's what makes you special. At least that's how I read it. Um, Hmm. Yeah, these things that so many other people say would keep you down. It's actually the thing that's going to save you. Yeah, we need to read more books like that. More heroic books that make you feel better, make you feel like you can conquer the difficult things. Because especially when the world is hard and the pandemic has changed so much of how we feel about our capacity and what's possible and what is normal in the world and where our strength lies. I think to read books like that where children and situations, they can meet each other and kids can overcome things. If kids can overcome things, I can overcome things. And look at the courage and the vulnerability and all the things that pair well together. Hey, maybe things are possible in my world. And it's mm-hmm. it's so hopeful. And I, I love that... Um, mid-grade novels can be experienced as an adult and give you a feeling of, huh, 
look at that. Kind of love that. Yeah. Instead of writing it off as like, no, this is just a book for kids. I'm not going to give it that much credit. I think there's a lot in those. There's so much in those. And it's, it doesn't, it has never bothered me to read outside of my prescribed age range. Like if this is the book that seems like it's going to have a fun story, then this is the book I'm going to read today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of the same thing when I read the School for Good and Evil series when those were first coming out. Like I was already in my 20s, but you're reading these books about, you know, 10, 11, 12 year olds. And it's like, oh, yeah, if they can figure out who they are and how they fit in this thing that they feel like they've been dropped in the wrong spot, like, I can figure this out. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I will be fine. Yeah. And what are you reading right now? Uh, I am almost finished. I'm in like the last maybe 100 or so pages of The Air Affair, which is the follow-up to The Royal We. Um, And I am a one book at a time person. So that is all I've got on the go. Um, After this one, I think the next one I'll be picking up is probably The Minders by John Mars. And that one's sitting on my desk and I've been meaning to read it for so long. It's just waiting for you. It is. Just sitting it's there. Very, very patiently. It's the beautiful thing about books. How do you decide what you're going to read next? Like when you have books on your Kindle or your e-reader or whatever, you've got a stack next to you. How do you choose which one is going to make the cut? I try really, really hard not to actually own the book until I'm ready to read it. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it's very much so like I've got little stacks of like the kind of vibe that I think I'm going to get from it. And I read based on that. Do I need a happier feel good romance rom-com type of thing right now? Or am I willing to take on something a little bit heavier? Or do I want something that's going to make me question how I feel about things or Mm -hmm. why I do this thing that I do? Then I'll read that. Um, And usually the only thing that'll throw a wrench in something in whatever I've got, coming up next in my little snack stack is if uh, Jodi Pico puts out a new book. She is the one author that I will buy everything she writes. I don't care. And I will read it as soon as I can. And I know she's got a new one coming out this week and I've already yeah. pre-ordered it. I just read it. Uh, I know a few really people good. that have gotten arcs from it and I'm just like so jealous, but all the reviews have been so good so far that I'm just like, waiting and so I think that one I'm gonna try and wait until I'm done finals so that I can give it the attention it deserves fair enough well I won't give you any spoilers but I will tell you that it is the first Jodi Pico book that I've given five stars to <gasps> oh goodness am I uh-huh. ready for this I don't know <laughs> I feel like it's just, it's like so many things we've discussed before at Book Club, right? It's the right book at the right time. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. it was, you know, like any huge award winner or whatever. It, it, what, it just, it just totally was exactly what I needed. And I, out of gratitude, as much as anything else, I gave it the five stars. So, I love those yeah. books. The right book at the right time are the ones that stick with you. Yes. Else. Yes. And it was... It was great. And I think it was it was a nice feeling to read a book by her because she has a certain tone. And yeah. I I just really, I think I needed that tone at that moment. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm even yeah. excited. Wish You Were oh, Here by Jodi Pico. Yeah, it's coming out. It's waiting for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's waiting. But, but December 13th needs to come faster. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. And if all the books can arrive on time, there is so much issue with books arriving late and suppliers not being able to provide books. And now with all of the flooding and stuff in British Columbia, I had no idea how many books I actually get from BC until I was told, oh yeah, all these orders you've got, they're going to be delayed. Oh, snap. (laughs) So yeah, no, that's why hers is one that I'm not willing to chance. I have it pre-ordered on my Kindle. There you go. There you go. It is coming with me. Yep. The morning of, I can whip it open on my phone if I need to. Like, let's go. Do you read on your phone? Not very often. Um, I usually read on my Kindle. Anything that's backlit um, mm-hmm. is just, it, like, it's so hard on my eyes. And it's so mm-hmm. much more tiring. And I am a person who wants to sit down and read for, like, six hours at a time. And <laughs> being an adult who lives by myself, every once in a while, I have that pleasure. And so reading yes. on my phone for that just does not work. So I miss that. I have, I have a Kindle Paperwhite that I use for that. And that's nicely side lit. And then if I'm reading out in the sun, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Well, however you're doing it, whether it is on your phone or on your Kindle or in paper as a tree book or whatever it is, I love that you have many books at your disposal. And I'm very grateful that you have added your cornucopia of opinions and ideas and passions to the book clubs because it just makes it so much better. So thank you for being part of our community at the store because I can't imagine we would cope without you. You'd probably be okay, but I'm so grateful to have found the community and to feel so very welcomed by it. It's like every time you walk in there, no matter who's working or what other shoppers are in the store, it's just this wonderful experience of like, ah, oh, yes, books. And everyone's just like, yep, we're here for the same reason. Let's, let's do this. Readers are such a special breed. I love hosting a space where they can be just be with the books, be with each other. That's it. Keep it simple. Wow. Thank you for talking with me and for giving me some more things. I've just like, I've written down all these books. (laughs) I thought my TBR was good today. Apparently not. (laughs) I walked in. The invite email was like, be prepared with the books you want to talk about and what they're about. And so I had made a list. I haven't even looked at that list. I know I've talked about a few off the list, but I'm like, no, we talked about everything else. Again, it's like book club where I come prepared and but maybe we'll talk about those things. I don't know. I'd rather just, here's other things I love. Here, yeah. take all the things I love and I hope you love them too. <laughs> you know, there are so many um, bookish podcasts that I've listened to and they're very formula. This, 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 we talk about this, here's the thing. And the questions are almost asked in the same format and the response to the books has the same kind of um, answers and and I get that when you're doing it a lot if you want to kind of keep it normal and people get what they expect that makes sense but I just can't do it I would much rather say we are off paper today we are just gonna have a convo and see what happens because that's way more fun all these different types of podcasts like there is comfort in showing up to something where you know there's a formula and that's what you're going to get today right it's Mm -hmm. the same reason that sitcoms are still popular sitcoms are all exactly the same it's 30 minutes and you know this is what's going to happen and by the end of the 30 minutes everything's going to be resolved and there is comfort in that there's a lot of comfort in that um but there is also comfort in just showing up and 
seeing where the conversation takes us and having it be super organic and who knows where this is going to go. Welcome on our adventure, friends. Let's do this. (laughs) Welcome on our adventure. (laughs) Like, it just feels like the meme from the, like, first 15 minutes of the first Hobbit movie where, what is it, Bilbo Baggins? I haven't read The Lord of the Rings. I don't know them very well. I have seen The Hobbit movies. That's all I got. Where he's just bounding out going, I'm going on an adventure. And I'm like, yeah, yes. let's do that today. That's a pretty good meme for actually how this podcast feels sometimes. Let's just see what happens. I don't know. Last time I did a podcast, I realized I was talking into the back of the microphone half of the time. So it was sounding wrong. Whoops. Well, all right. Fix that. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> You just never know what you're going to get. It's an adventure for your ears, friends. It really is. It really (laughs) is. Thank you for adding to our adventure today. Well, thanks for inviting me. This was so much fun. Okay, so I was not kidding. We talked about a lot of books. Yes, we did. I hope you were writing them down or you had your phone out and you were keeping track of it all because there was a lot of really good reads in there. I know I was definitely writing some down and they will probably be showing up on a, hey, here's a list of books I read podcast pretty soon. So thank you, Rochelle. That was super fun. And I look forward to seeing you this Saturday at the Pella Club party. Okay. So today's episode of the Bookshop Chronicles has been brought to you by book clubs. Book clubs wherever you are, a room full of people, maybe it's three, maybe it's 20, whatever that number looks like. A room full of people who are talking books, who are sharing book interests, who are inspiring each other to read, who are stretching our comfort zones about what we thought we liked to read and learning about all the books we didn't know we wanted to read, book clubs are the best. They are the absolute best. You heard Rochelle's passion for it. I want that for you. So wherever you are, please find some humans who love books just as much as you do and want to talk about it. Okay, so you guys, I hope that you are having a great day. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, make the most of it. Eat something yummy, giggle with your people, read something awesome, and then, you know, get yourself ready because the next episode is also going to have a whole hat full of books that you are going to want to add to your TBR. So that's just how we roll here. Wherever you are doing today, be relevant, be generous, be unforgettable, and may your reading life be extraordinary. Until next time, bye! Bye!